Welcome back to The Daily Poem here in the Close Reads Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. Today's poem is by Francis Thompson, who was an English poet and mystic who lived from 1859 to 1907. And the poem that I'm going to read, I discovered, um, or at least I rediscovered, I guess. I'd read it in college, but I hadn't read it in, in, in more than a decade since. And um, I discovered this poem, or rediscovered it, in The Guardian it, through Carol Rumens's uh, Poem of the Week column. She uh, did a piece on this in June of 2017. And the poem that I'm going to read is called In No Strange Land. It goes like this. O world invisible, we view thee. O world intangible, we touch thee. O world unknowable, we know thee. Inapprehensible, we clutch thee. Does the fish soar to find the ocean, the eagle plunge to find the air, that we ask of the stars in motion if they have rumor of thee there? Not where the wheeling systems darken and our benumbered conceiving soars, the drift of pinions would we hearken, beats at our own clay-shuttered doors. The angels keep their ancient places, turn but a stone and start a wing. Tis ye, tis your estranged faces that miss the many-splendored thing. But when so sad thou canst not sadder, cry, and upon thy so sore loss shall shine the traffic of Jacob's ladder, pitched betwixt heaven and Charing Cross. Yea, in the night my soul, my daughter, cry, cling to heaven by the Thames. And lo, Christ, walking on the water, not of Gennesareth, but of Thames. Rumens says of, in, of this poem of In No Strange Land that, quote, it seems to me to rank among the outstanding religious verse of its kind, the hymns, prayers, and chants that are its closest formal relatives, end quote. And Rumens says that she searched all kinds of uh, liturgical church texts for a source for, the, for that first stanza, that sort of, oh, world invisible, oh, world intangible, oh, world unknowable. So she, so she looked for something like that in, in church texts. She didn't find anything, she says. The way she put it was she couldn't find a direct ancestor. But then I like the way she puts, she says this, quote, Thompson's quatrain sets off four flashes of light, each illuminating a core paradox of mystical understanding. The world he's addressing, O world, is otherworldly. It represents eternity and reveals God. But Thompson's vision declares it local. It is, quote, no strange land. It can be seen, touched, and known. Rubens then explains that antithesis is the foundational unifying mystery on which the whole poem is built. That's her line. The idea of contrast or, or opposition, um, the, the, the opposition or contrast of ideas expressed by parallelism of words that are the opposites of each other. Rubens then goes into a bit about... Uh, the unusual meter in the poem. And if you want to get into that, I, I recommend you just Google this poem. And, and the first thing that pops up is, is the guardian. It's in the first page at least. So you can, you can find the, the article on this poem and you can dive into that a little bit. Cause I don't have time to get into it too much here, but I wanted to, to read this bit because I think it is important. Rumens writes quote, further antithesis commands the movement of the wheeling systems and the benumbered conceiving. That is the attempt at soaring knowledge. And Rumen says, 
The final transformation occurs in the depths of loss in that oddly structured and compelling fifth stanza that says, But when so sad thou canst not sadder, cry, and upon thy so sore loss shall shine the traffic of Jacob's ladder pitched betwixt heaven and sharing cross. The misery is contained in the most ordinary of words and phrases, sad, sadder, cry, so sad, so sore. So the vision in the last two lines is all the more splendid. And then Thompson does it again, only perhaps better, turning hem-clutching and abjection into the most redemptum of double miracles, Christ walking on the filthy water of the River Thames. Rumens goes on, William Blake's visionary transformations of London form the poem's most important literary ancestry. In Thompson's work, more generally, there's also an occasional, probably coincidental resemblance to Hopkins, going beyond the shared faith to sometimes torturous grammatical structures, vivid word coinings, and unconventional rhythm. While Thompson's achievements may be more modest than those of Blake or Hopkins, in no strange land is a poem I imagine either would have been happy to have written. A many-splendored hymn, it catches more light than any of the choruses from The Rock. End quote. Thanks to, uh, you know, Carol Rumens for writing this so I could share it with you. And again, I, if you want to get into a little bit more in the form of the poem, I recommend you read her piece. But uh, I, I wanted to share this poem with you and share some of those thoughts because, well, they get into a poem that I don't know very well, uh, much better than I could have, uh, just kind of bumbling about with it. I hope that was helpful. Once more, here is In No Strange Land by Francis Thompson. O world invisible, we view thee. O world intangible, we touch thee. O world unknowable, we know thee. Inapprehensible, we clutch thee. Does the fish soar to find the ocean, the eagle plunge to find the air, that we ask of the stars in motion if they have rumor of thee there? Not where the wheeling systems darken and our benumbered conceiving soars, the drift of pinions would we hearken, beats at our own clay-shuttered doors. The angels keep their ancient places, turn but a stone and start a wing. Tis ye, tis your estranged faces that miss the many-splendored thing. But when so sad thou canst not sadder, cry, and upon thy so sore loss shall shine the traffic of Jacob's ladder, pitched betwixt heaven and sharing cross. Yea, in the night, my soul, my daughter, cry, cling to heaven by the hems, and lo, Christ, walking on the water, not of Gennesareth, but Thames. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you. 